Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. Celebrating 19 years and uh, give you a bit of info on that. But I just want to, before I do that, and because I forgot in the first service, so you're getting the 10.30 edition of this uh, message. But um, we're having um, Easter sunrise service. We're going to be holding the service at the Veterans Park at 7 a.m. in the morning. So that will be our first service. And then our second service will not be at 10.30, but it will be at 9.30 here because we have to just move the equipment back here. And so those are going to be our two services on Easter sunrise. So tell everybody, people who normally, it's their annual event to come to the sunrise service. So get that, get that message uh, to, to all your friends and but again, celebrating, and uh, we also celebrate the Life Coast. Life Coast, exact, uh, they um, incorporated a year after us uh, on the exact same day, March 5th. Um, so they, they did that in t- uh, 2006, and so we celebrate with them. Um, and Val and I came here, and we're mandated to plant a church here on Flagler Beach. Flagler Beach City is our, is our mandate. It's uh, part of Flagler County. It's not Palm Coast, and it's not Bunnell City. So that's kind of where we were the first time we ever had services in here. It was in 2006. Um, Val and I eventually got our green cards in 2009, and then uh, we moved to Epic Building because they so-called sold this, which actually didn't sell it. In uh, November 2010, we went to Epic Movie Theater, and that was uh, fairly busy. Then we moved to Church on the Rock a year later, and uh, it was Saturday nights. And that was uh, a challenge because culturally, guys don't go to church too often. Uh, things have changed somewhat since then. So uh, 2011, we went to Church on the Rock. And a year later, so we literally sojourned for two years away from the beach. And, uh, and we came back to, and moved into the DAV in 2012. And uh, then God gave us an opportunity in July 2015 to purchase this building. And then 20... Uh, that, yeah, yeah. And then we got up. We got... Um, our U.S. citizenship, which was a great day of celebration in June 2019. So it took a long time to get citizenship. It's easier to go to heaven than get your citizenship in America. <laughs> Just want to let you know that. And June 2021, the mortgage was paid in this building. We celebrated that one. Next weekend, we would uh, celebrate a year that we have two services on a Sunday. And so... That is a flight through coastal up to 19 years, and uh, we've sat back and overwhelmed by the incredible love and the leadership, my eldership team, the leadership team, the teams. I mean, we had an appreciation dinner, um, and we sent out invites to 160 um, just before Christmas. What percentage of church is that? That most of the time, it's 20% of people doing 80% of the work. And Coastal is not like that. And uh, that brings me to where God wants us to go forward. And I just want to touch on that before I preach this morning. Um, God really wants us to expand the tent pegs. Scripture that uh, God's talking about is in Isaiah 54.2. It says, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out the tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. It's just a preparation God's calling us to not only just be aware of, but engage in. We, he wants us to, our personal lives, to expand the capacity of, of, of moving more with God, walking more with God, and, and knowing more of God, and as well as your families, uh, intentionally 
cultivate a, a more of God presence in your, in your homes. Bring it to your workplace. Bring it to wherever your, your environment takes you. Expand. Here in the church, we need to get ready because people are coming. Like it or not, they're coming down to Flagler County. Why not? It's such a nice place. And they're all coming. And so I just really want to encourage you to, to help um, join teams. There's every team that we have needs, um, needs more, more help. And we want to get proactive in, in that. To make the illustration more important, as uh, Minneapolis in, 1980, uh, in 1985, we, Val and I were here and I was traveling with a traveling minister in Minnesota. And we went to, we went to multiple towns around uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. And the one town, as you drive in, they always give you the name of the town and then they give you the population. And the population of this town where we were going to preach in was 741. And we went to the, t- the church and the guy had an over a thousand seater auditorium. And I said, man, you have prepared and you got yourself ready to take the increase. And he says, I'm ready. And, uh, and I can guarantee you that he's pulled that place up because he was, there, was, there was such a positive vibe in that boy. He couldn't find negativity if he searched for it, that guy. It was just an incredible minister. But I just want to encourage you to, to expend the tent pegs of all different areas of your life because growth is coming and growth is good because there's countless thousands that still need Jesus. And I don't think God paid such a high price at Calvary that we just take a handful of people to heaven. I think that we're going to swoop in and take a gazillion people to heaven. That's what, that's what I'm believing for. Praise the Lord. So the theme is we've been journeying through um, so far. Not that I've prescribed it to any of the guys who come to speak up here, but just walking with God. And we're looking at it. And why? Because it's part of the growth. Um, because uh, D- Daniel 11.32 says, The people who know their God, who walk with their God, shall be strong and do great exploits. And that's what we do. If you're walking with God, you're going to find that the capacity to do more of the kingdom of God will develop in your life. And that's what I really want us to be aware of. And then I want to focus in today on what hinders and what helps our walk with God. And, um, and the question is always is, what's, what, what would hamper your, your walk with God? And what will hinder your walk with God and your walk with faith? Uh, are you easily bumped off track? Are you easily discouraged or stopped or distracted or deceived? Are you, are you easily done? Uh, is that easily, uh, um, can that easily happen to you? And I say that because as youngsters, we used to be quite uh, boyish, put it that way. And at boarding school, we'd have paths that we had to walk down and they'd learned that uh, they'd had to put uh, thorn hedges on either side to stop us from meandering into the flower gardens, wrecking the flower gardens. And, and we would uh, walk along and we, you would know that when the guy gets to a certain step, if you nudged him, he would fall into the thorny hedge. And... <laughs> And uh, we would have it down to science. And you had to be on your A-game as well because it would happen to you as well. And, um, and I say this because sometimes the holy, uh, you, get, you get to a place where the, the enemy would nudge you and take you off track. And you, you need to be aware, be alert. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll share about that scripture. But Paul is very concerned about it when he speaks to, in, in 2 Corinthians. He talks to the church in, in Corinth and he says to them, He's concerned in 11, uh, uh, Corinthians 11.3. He says, I fear. That's Paul, man of faith, wrote most of the New Testament. He says, I fear. And I, it perks up my ears. What does Paul fear? And he says, I fear lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so, my, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. 
He's concerned because it, 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 it's the, the subtle um, uh, craftiness of the enemy that can, can take us out. And I don't want that to happen to us. I want us to grow from strength to strength, from glory to glory. And it requires us to be aware of the enemy. And he's, he, he doesn't play fair. Yes, this has been, there has been a use of the scripture to have a dig it at Eve, but that's the furthest thing from what Paul is trying to say. He's talking about the subtleness, the craftiness, and the cunningness of the enemy that, that came to, to, to Eve. And, and I'll paint a picture just now that this environment that he managed to do this, the enemy managed to do that. And yeah, um, yes, so, so there's not, no ways are we taking a dig at, at Eve. Even though many preachers have taken a good dig at that, I'm telling you what, I fall on the side of the ladies and, and making sure that they had just as qualified to minister and share the gospel and preach the gospel as any man. There's no, there's no different male or female, Jew, Greek. The scriptures talk about that, and I'll stand on that until my last breath. So that, that, that we just need to understand that our minds can be swayed and corrupted by the sophisticatedness of the trickery and the craftiness of the enemy. The simplicity of the gospel that has been so complicated and made complicated by, by, by religion that it's, it's taken people off the simplicity of the gospel. But in the simplicity of the gospel, the incredible simplicity of the grace message that, that, that the sin has been paid for, the price has been paid, and it's, it's, it's our, 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 walk is our walk of faith, just trusting and believing a God that's pr provided all that. And so in that we got to see that, that, that Scripture highlights that Eve was deceived. Eve was deceived. And um, like I said, it's not about a woman thing. It's the cunningness and the craftiness of the devil. And, then, and yes, Eve, Eve was deceived. She, 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 she believed the lie. She drank the Kool-Aid. Yes, and she ate the fruit. Yeah, she ate them out of house and home, as we, we've heard before. And, um, but Adam was not. He was not deceived. And Timothy 2.14 says, 1 Timothy 2.14 says, Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgressions. It clearly says that Adam was not deceived. Adam chose to disobey and be rebellious in his choice. And it says here, sin entered with Adam, not Eve. So Eve, cut you some slack there. Because it's, one, it's, it's theology 101 that you see from Romans 5. And it says there, Therefore, just as, as though one man sinned, sin entered the world and death through sin, thus death spread to all men. So we're all a target of deception, church. We are all a target of deception, and we have some degree of deception in us. Because if I switch the lights off, none of you glow in the dark. I just want to let you know, neither do I. And so you've got to understand it. And I want you to know that a deception, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's this. A deceived person doesn't know he's deceived. Because the moment he knows he's deceived, he's not deceived. He's aware. And that's what happens. When we, we talk about having a blind spot in your natural eye, you have a blind spot. And if the blind, you have a blind spot because it is a blind spot. I mean, it doesn't take rocket scientists. So we, we, don't, we don't have the full understanding of everything. But Paul is saying to us, as, Paul, as Eve was deceived, he fears the vulnerability that we have. But before I unpack the scripture where we see how Eve was deceived, I'm going to just ask Val to, to share something which is funny in it. And it's apt coming from Valerie because she just knows how to, 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 to sock it to us. But men, if you really are sensitive about your manhood and all that stuff, 
just, just, we'll pray for you afterwards, okay? Just, uh. So 10 reasons that God created Eve. God was worried that Adam would frequently become lost in the garden because he would not stop to ask for directions. God knew that one day Adam would need someone to locate the remote control. God knew Adam could never go out and buy himself a new fig leaf when his wars out, wore out. <laughs> Isn't that true? God knew Adam would never be able to make a doctor's, dentist, or haircut appointment by himself. God knew that Adam could never remember which night to put out the garbage on the curb. God knew that if the world was to be populated, men would never be able to handle the pain and discomfort of childbearing. Amen. God knew that as the keeper of the garden, Adam would never remember where he left his tools. <laughs> God knew that Adam could need someone to blame his trouble on when he was caught hiding in the garden. Yes. It is not good for man to be alone. When God finished creation, he stepped back and he looked and he said, hmm, I can do way better than that. Hey. Hallelujah. So let's look at two, two ways that Satan got in. <laughs> let's have a look at two ways that, uh, that, 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 that the serpent came in and, and, and uh, targeted uh, Eve and, uh, and Eve fell prey to the, 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 the craftiness. And in that hot craftiness, they um, affected um, Eve's walk with God. In Genesis 3, it says, yeah, now the serpent was more cunning than uh, any of the beasts of the fields which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said? We'll be looking at that statement a little, in a little moment. You shall not eat of, of every tree of the garden. That was a lie. And fortunately, the, the woman corrected and says, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. Because if they didn't, they would have starved because that was their food. They ate from the fruit and they ate the herbs. But the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat. That was true. Nor shall you touch it, lest you die. That wasn't true. You're allowed to eat it. Don't touch. That's the, and then the serpent said to the woman, you will not, you will not surely die. Meaning God is dishonest. For God knows that in that day you eat, it is your, uh, eat of it, your eyes will be open. God is holding something back on you, questioning trust. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. That's true. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh, that, the, that, that, that it was pleasant to the eye, lust of the eye, and the pride and the tree does uh, this. Uh, Desirable to make one wise, that was pride. She took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave it to her weasel husband with her. And he ate. He never stood up. He never corrected the lies. He never, and he was just standing there and gladly took the fruit. And then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. The very thing that Christ came to restore and what I'm talking about, the, 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 the possibilities of walking with God in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves 
from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And then the Lord called to Adam and said, where are you? Can I just suggest it is not good to play hide and seek with the Lord. He knows exactly where you are. There's no place to hide. He has got his GPS on you. So uh, in case you think you're hiding, uh, give up because he's already seen you and found you and he loves you no matter where you find yourself in life. So he said, I heard your voice. This is Adam saying. He says, I heard your voice in the garden and I, I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Two things, two fruits that would happen that will affect your walk is that there's fear and then there's nakedness. Those two, those two, those, those two the, I mean, fear and shame will cause you to hide yourself from God. And God says, don't do that. Come out, let's talk about it. Let's walk, walk it through. The two trees that the scripture talks about is the tree of life and the tree of knowledge. And, it's, uh, uh, and the knowledge is the knowledge of good and evil. And so it's the tree of life and the tree of knowledge. And God uh, did not want them only to, to not eat of the knowledge of evil, but he also didn't want them to eat of the knowledge of truth. You understand that? That it's, it's, it's a knowledge of, of, of um, I mean, of, of not of truth, of good and evil. So we got to understand that the, this tree that he's saying, do not eat of it, it's good. And I forget now. Good and evil. That's good and evil. So I always thought, you know, God doesn't want us to, to, to understand evil, understand evil. No, he didn't want us to understand good either. So what did God want us to understand? He says, I wanted you to understand my voice. I want you to hear my voice and my voice only. And Jesus came and he said, listen, I, I only say what my father says and I only do what my father tells me what to do. Jesus didn't go by his, his, his worldly knowledge and ran his ministry with worldly knowledge. No, he only did what his father did, told him to do and he only said what his father told him to say. And that's important for us to understand. So it's, the, the, the thing is that it's not about good and evil. It's not about good and evil. It's whether it's God or not God, whether it's life or it's death. Am I going to send my child to this school because it's good and evil? No. Is it, am I sending my child to this school because it's, 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 it's life and not death? That's why I'm sending it. It needs to be life or death. You need to hear God individually for each one of those things. So God's saying, I don't want you to, to run your whole world through the, uh, the, the glasses of good and evil. I want you to run your life through, is it God, is it life, or is it death? Is it what God wanting you? And it's a person, that's what encourages us to have a walk with God because I can hear his voice and then I can obey. It, it, it brings life to your whole being. And it's important for us to understand that. Because Paul was concerned that our walk would be, would be corrupted by, by the craftiness and the trickery. And, uh, and, 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 and Satan uses every avenue to get to us nowadays, far greater than before. I mean, to, before, you could just get a, a newspaper thrown on your front door, and that, that's kind of what you got. I mean, your telephone never spoke to you those days unless it rang and somebody was on the other line. Now our phone talks to us and tells us all sorts of notifications, things happening, um, everything's in a crisis. The world's going down in a hell in a handbasket. And so here we are, we're, we're getting all this stuff, and this is good, and that's bad, and this is evil, and this is... No, no, hold the bus. Stop, walk with God, hear God, find out if it's good and it's God, 
or it's death. And we've got to find out. Satan, has got, it's got this incredible way of, 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 of having a way of trying to nudge us and, and hamper us and, and, and knock us off track. He will come first with a handgun. And if he can nudge you with a, and get you off track because of a thought or, or an idea or somebody speaks to you and he knocks you off track, that's, that's like using a handgun on you. I mean, we've got we to grow up. And then suddenly, um, if you can't do that, then he's going to come out with a shotgun. And he's going to give a blast at you, and, and, and suddenly something happens. You land up ill, or the car runs off the road and hits a ditch. And, and suddenly your whole world thinking, oh, my goodness, God has left me. I've sinned. I've done all this. And he'll throw you all, these, all this junk and this rubbish. And, so, and if you fall for that, I just bounce back up. No problem. Okay, this is just what happened. And then he'll come out with a rocket. He'll try and fire and, and stop you with a rocket or a RPG-7 or a, a mortar. He'll try bigger and bigger weaponry to stop you, to nudge you off your walk of faith. And you understand those that are leading ministries, that are, are leading groups, they all become targets where bigger guns are used, bigger, uh, bigger um, I'm talking man talk here, guys. But um, it's, it's, it, knocks, it knocks you off and hinders you. And Paul says, I'm afraid of these things coming and and just the subtleness and the craftiness. So I just want to look at two things that from the scripture we see that Satan gets, firstly, Satan gets to question God's word, gets, to, gets us to question God's word. The, the serpent questioned Eve and he says, has God indeed said? Now translation says, did God, did, did God really say that? And he questions us, am I sure about this? And he knocks you off track. And when one is challenged by unbelievers or just your, your thought gets challenged by, 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 by the demonic world or, or just anything that you're reading, does it deter you? Does it hinder you? Does it stop you? Does it, does it put a wedge in your walk with God? Does it? Because we, then, we, need, to, we need to muscle up and realize that, that the enemy is good at this. He, I mean, he, he, he started this early. And so... And sometimes we get to look at Scripture, and Scripture like contradicts itself. And you say, well, I'm putting my life on, uh, on the line for this Word, and so the Word contradicts itself, and I don't understand it, and all that kind of stuff. And it, and it causes uh, unreliability, and it, uh, it seems an untruth, and, or, and becomes a question in our lives. Well, th- we need to s- stop and understand that we, we're not all-knowing. We are not all-knowing. And this, this Word is so incredible no, don't worry, I don't, I don't need that yet. Thank you, my brother. But anyway, um, but I just want to just, just, just for an example, two scriptures that, 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 uh, that um, sometimes we have unbelievers or people that question the scriptures come, come, come at us. One, uh, 1 Chronicles 21 verse 1, it says, uh, Now Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. So I ask, ask you the question, who moved David to number Israel? Satan. Not too much of a trick question. I think it says there, now Satan stood up against Israel. And so we see there that Satan moved David. So, but then if you're doing your Bible reading plan, you will think, but I've read the story somewhere before. Like sometimes I'm listening to my, to my, to my daily devotions and I realize, I've heard this story before. So I go back to 2 Samuel 24 verse 1. It says, again, the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel and he moved David against them to say, go number Israel and Judea. Who moved David? The Lord moved David. And the theologians just, they clearly say that both those stories are relating the same thing. 
It's not a, a different story. It's the exact same thing, but it's worded differently. I'm thinking, what's going on here? What are going on with these guys that are writing the Bible here? And so it's, Satan stood against Israel. The Lord angered and was aroused against Israel. So basically, they were against Israel. That's what has happening there. And we have decided how God's word can, can uh, be recorded in two events and they be different. And we have these naysayers and even science, and they will come at us and say, how can you put your life on this word and it, it contradicts itself? And, it's, and, and, and they get on their bullhorn and, and shout and perform and, and think they have one on us. But I'll tell you what, I don't want to go to the bank on some of the science stuff that they found either. When they talk to us and they say, it's scientifically impossible for Jonah to be three days in the, inside the belly of a whale. It's just not possible. Yeah, it's not, not, it's not possible that anybody can walk on water. But I know somebody that did. In fact, the two people that did. Peter as well walked on the water. And what about uh, raising the dead? Yes. In fact, Jesus himself rose from the dead. I mean, about blind eyes opening, lame walking, um, the Red Sea parting, 600,000 people walking on dry land. They forget. They forget. Very critical few things here. But here we see that, um, that, 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 that Satan, um, hmm. the story goes on and, and it says here that and the Lord in this whole process of, of being angry with Israel, he went on and he says, and he offered, the, offered David three different punishments because of what he did. He numbered the children of Israel and he wasn't pleased. And he, and he goes on, he says, you can have three years of famine. Three months of defeat, getting being defeated by the enemy, or you can have three days of a plague. And so David takes the three days, and 70,000 children of Israel die. So now you've got the truth of the word. It's been for us to hear it. And then we get to hear that 70,000 get taken out. We start making, challenging our faith and saying, what kind of God are we, are, we, are, we, are we serving here? And did God move on, uh, on Satan, or did Satan move on Satan? Did God move on David or did uh, Satan move on David? And we ask these questions. But like I said, the naysayers and the science, you cannot go to the bank with what they're saying. You cannot go to the bank because they, they tell you, listen, um, the, the earth was flat. Once upon a time, the, there was full proof the earth was flat. Then they changed their minds. They realized it wasn't. And I get to hear that some churches actually preach it's gone back to flat again. I don't know what happened to the round, but it went back to flat again. Um, and so, so, yeah, and then, and then science, you know, bring it to current day, masks are good. No, no, masks are bad. Uh, yeah, you need, no, no, you don't need fat in your diet. You need no fat in your diet. No, no, now you need fat in your diet. Uh, good, eggs are good for you. Uh, no, eggs are bad for you. Can I just say shut up? <laughs> shut up, please, science. It, it, it drives you crazy. So it, science is not foolproof. But I want to remind ourselves we serve a God that's all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, and supernatural. So if he wants to walk on water, he will walk on water, and he will raise the dead, and he will allow Jonah to survive in the belly of a well for three days because he is God, and we don't understand that. So do we stand and do we decide on our knowledge that we have now, which is not all knowledge I would like to inform us, or do we stand with a God who's true, who's good, who's kind, who's loving, who's gracious, who's all-knowing, and he's all just? Stand with that and leave the unquestioned, unanswered questions unanswered. 
Just leave them on the shelf. But this is what I know. My God is good. Why did Val's sister pass away in a, in, in a young age and fire, on fire for God? I don't, I don't know. We're believing for a healing. Well, she's on the, on the other side and she's healed. So she, it's a win-win situation. So God's going to ask you, can you still walk with me and trust me even though you don't have all the answers? And that you, can you still walk with me? And if you read that you, things in the Bible and you don't understand, just be aware that you just don't understand them. Make friends with that. I don't know everything. And, I, and some of the questions I'm going to have to re-ask God when I see him face to face. because, And we've got to understand that he is all righteous God. And so when we read 70,000 were, 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 were killed and, and David, uh, God moved David and we don't understand it, just make friends with it. But God is good. God is kind. God is just. And that holds me steady. It holds me in a place where I can continue to walk with him and have, and, and have that. And so before I unpack the, 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 the Chronicles and, and, and Samuel scripture, I want to just go on to the second target that the enemy has on us. And that's that one, the first one, Satan gets us to question God's word, did God say. And the second one, Satan gets to question God's character. That's what he did with, with, with Eve there. He was challenging God's word and then challenging his character. In, John, uh, in Genesis 3, four, it's four, verse 4, it says, yeah, then the, then the serpent sent to, said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil, good and evil. God is, first thing you're thinking, is God lying to me? Or is he holding back something on me? Is this, this is the, 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 the kind of dialogue maybe Eve's having in her mind? God's being dishonest, questioning his character. And one of the difficult things that I have is when people come and challenge me and, and nail me on my character, and nail me on my character that I'm dishonest, that I'm a liar, that I'm unfair, that I'm hateful, I'm unkind, I'm unloving and impatient. And when God gets, gets labeled with all that, and, and we see that he's not that, that he's loving and he's kind, he's faithful, he's merciful, he's graceful, he's unchanging. And, and we got to get rock solid on God's character, and he cannot change his character he works everything that he does, even the 70,000 that get killed and, and, and all this, what we've read, it all works around his character. He cannot be outside of his character, then he cannot be a truthful God. So we've got to be rock solid in that. And I want us to see here in 1 Peter 5, 8. It's written here, it says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So if he can walk around and nudge you into the thorn bush, he's going to nudge you into the thorn bush. And that's what's going to happen. And so we need to be aware of it. Satan has been at this from the beginning, church, right from the beginning, right out the starting blocks, where man was perfect, perfect life, perfect marriage, with a perfect father, in a perfect world, Satan gets to man, Questions God's word, questions God's character, and sin is birthed into the planet. You, I mean, you're not playing with any Mickey Mouse situation here with, 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 with the serpent. He's been around deceiving many for a long time. And so we better get our A game on. Because he's going to come, and now he's got so many avenues 
that we've opened ourselves up to, that he can come in in every kind of social media platform, every kind of news media platform, any kind of, um, even the naysayers will come and, and people that are disgruntled with Christians, they will come and they will give it to us. And so we need to be in that place where we are on our A game. And so to answer the, the Chronicles and Samuel scripture, the so-called contradiction or the discrepancy that we may see in, in, in the, two, the, 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 the two verses, I want us to understand when there, darkness is the absence of light. So when light is moved from a room, darkness comes. When cold is the absence of heat, and life and death is the absence of life. So you've got to understand that when God's hand is on the children of Israel, on the children of Israel, His grace is upon their life. And if He lifts His hand of grace, like if he, God lifts His hand off this place, He didn't call darkness in. Darkness was waiting there all along to come in. Death is waiting to come in when life leaves. Cold will come when heat is removed. God's grace, when lifted, will have darkness come in. And that's what happens when God lifts his hand. So we may have some more light now. I can, I can actually see my notes here. It's all lit up. Hallelujah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, media. You understand that God's anger or his decision to lift his hand on Israel released Satan to move on David and to move David to do the wrong thing that released the plague that removed 70,000 people that were in sin against God. You understand that the old covenant grace is not, uh, Jesus is, it hasn't come and paid for all the sins. And God is like a physician surgically removing sin, evil, misrepresentation from the children of Israel. Children of Israel were the model and the representation of Almighty God, and they needed to live a certain way, worship a certain way, and reflect God a certain way. And if they went into sin, and sin continued, it's like you blaming the physician who has to come into your body and find the rebellious cells called cancer and cut it out, and you can't, don't get mad with the physician because the physician is actually saving your life by getting rid of those, 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 those cells. The same thing, God has to remove sin from the situation so he could bring Jesus to a place, uh, bring the, uh, the children of Israel to a place where Jesus can come and salvation may come to all of humanity, past, present, and future. So God had to preserve man all the way through that, and sin wasn't allowed to manifest itself. It would corrupt the whole place. You know what spread does? Uh, sin does? It spreads. So the physician uh, has to remove the rogue cells. Plus this act was to teach and raise G, uh, uh, David up, the king, to become a better leader and become the, the man after God's own heart. There was this whole training process. And I know David, I mean, he got all over himself. And he didn't glow in the dark. It wasn't his first mess up. I mean, he had uh, um, um, a few other um, issues that um, caused men to die and 
he had adulterous affairs and all those things. So he didn't glow in the dark, and he, he went journeying on, a, on an education all the way through. But I want you to understand that God's hand of grace is like when uh, Satan came to, to Job, and he says, man, I can't get to him because you're, you know, you're protecting him. So he says, fine, I'll release you. I'll give you access, limited access to Job. And you see what happens. He gets in there. But the whole time, Job does not deter, but he carries on walking with God. And the result at the end is better than the beginning. But I want to tell you that David had a way of escape because the scripture is true to what uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says. And God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with that temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And here we have Joab told David straight, I don't think it's a good idea to number the children of Israel. It's a bad idea. And old David, I don't know where he was in his pride story, but he didn't take that counsel. He still went ahead and numbered the children of Israel. But the truth be told, God was going to get rid of 70,000 people that were living in rebellion and sin to preserve the, his body, his called out ones, no matter what. So in closing, I want to say this, that God appears to kill many in Old Testament. But if God removes his hand, the enemy will come in with death. And so many times it's written, God did this, God did that. But God just, just has to take his hand off. He just takes his hand off here and the light goes out. Boom. Takes his hand off. He says, listen, my grace, my hand is upon your life. In Jesus, you have grace. But the presence of God is like fire. And we in our sinful self, it's like paper. How can fire and paper have fellowship or cohabit? How can we walk with a holy God when we are in sin and, 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 and we literally are paper? And it's because of the redemption of Jesus Christ that's come to our life. He's redeemed us. He has given us access to being righteous. And so we can, with his robe of righteousness, walk into the presence of a holy God. It's got like the righteousness is like a fire suit. You can walk into a, 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 the, a holy God that's, and, and not burn up. I saw this illustration and somebody was uh, teaching uh, the, this biblical truth and it was talking about how can uh, fire and paper co cohabitate. Now, so you just talk, took a brown paper packet, filled it with water. I know some boys are going to try this now. And, and you actually can hold it upon on top of a flame with water in it and it will not burn the paper. Wow, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so... It's the Holy Spirit within us because the presence of God comes into us when we give our lives to Christ that makes us um, um, acceptable in his presence where we don't burn up and fry. Um, you, you see God's presence in the Old Testament, fry people up, nuke them. It's just when his presence comes, there's a whole lot of shaking going on. So I, I am thankful that I can come boldly into, the, 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 into God's presence knowing that I wear the robe of righteousness, which is the fire suit. His love is so intense. And again, also sometimes when you see God removed Adam and Eve out the garden and took them out, and everybody says that's God's punishment. No, that was his love and grace. That was his love and grace. In Genesis 3.22, says, And the Lord said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. 
And now, lest he put out his hand and take also the tree of the of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord sent him out of the garden of Eden. Why? Because he needed to make sure man didn't live forever in that state. That he could set, have a plan in place to send Jesus to come and pay for the price of sin and get us back home. And if Adam carried on and knowing that he messed up once, he will mess up again and, eat and forget, oh, I forgot, I shouldn't have eaten of this tree again, I'll forget. Um, and, and we would have been in that state forever. So to secure our salvation, and this is salvation for all of humanity, he took Adam and Eve and says, listen, we're just going to keep you away from this tree. I do not want to complicate my plan to, of redemption any more than it is now. So out you go. And that was love and grace. Because we all sit in this room today because of that love and grace back then. It wasn't punishment. It was a help. So can I just say that, that are we that frail that we can be distracted or deterred or hindered or, or, or bumped off course? If we are, then we need to stop and evaluate. How are we? There's two things that's the antidote to this. When Satan is ch challenging God's word, we need to make sure we know God's word. If, we God's, if Satan is challenging God's character, well, we better make sure we understand God's character and we rock solid on that. And, and that's what we've got to get. We've got to equip ourselves so when our walk is, is getting stronger and stronger with the Lord, well, I tell you, he's going to bring up more and more artillery against you, but we've got to just be like a cork. Just keep bouncing back up because we are solid on these two things. God's word is truth and his character is unwavering. And that's what we need. And church, I just want to just, just elaborate on this one thing as I close, is that the criticalness of memory, memorizing scripture, I don't, I don't think it's emphasized enough in the church. We've got to start memorizing scripture. We've got to make sure we understand and know scripture. We need to be reading it and digesting it and memorizing it and knowing it. Why? Because tell you what, when the enemy comes, we can say, it's written, it's written. I tell you what, and in and, and the years growing up, Val and I were drilled by those, the leaders in, in us. And now there's so much distraction, we find very little time to memorize the scripture, very little time to understand the word of God. And so I, if I can beckon you to do anything to be strong for God in the way we go forward, is that we need to get scripture bedded into our lives. And I came across, uh, um, um, uh, I've come across this, which has been a great asset. It's called the Bible Recap by... Um, Tara Lee Cobb, Cobble, is that right? Yeah. It's it's it, everybody knows the UVerse the UVerse app. Everybody literally has a UVerse the Bible app and gets you. And if you go there and and, and in the little question box, um, call up the the Bible recap. It literally wherever you're finding your reading, go into that devotion, scroll down. There is a clip and and Tara gets up and starts expanding on what that scripture means. I'm busy in numbers. If anybody's re reading through the Bible in a year, I'm in numbers. They talk about dry toast. That's dry toast. But she's bringing such dimension to me that I am just blown away and loving numbers. I mean, that's why the weather patterns are changing, because I'm loving numbers. And, uh, but I just want to say, please, fall in love with God's Word, because if He can't get you... Uh, uh, and, and bump you off track because you know God's word and you, do, and you know his character, then I'm telling you what, you hold in good stead. There's more than just you in mind when God's looking at you. 
It's those people that you're going to influence and affect. We've got to realize that we're part of that whole deal. We're part of a bigger deal here. And so with that, I close. Father, thank you. I thank you that we, we want to know what's important on your heart. And I feel, Father, your word, your word and your character is, is so important that we have that rock solid so that our walk can, be, can be, be sure, our footsteps be sure, that we won't be nudged off course and nudged into thorn bushes, Lord, into thorn hedges. But, Father, we would hold true to you, that our eyes will behold you, that our eyes will be like a flint on you. And so, Father, I just want to pause for a moment and ask you by your Holy Spirit just to, just to direct us on what your word is saying to us today. What is hindering us? What's holding us back? What's distracting us? And so, Father, I thank you that your spirit can come in and stir us, direct us, help us, Lord. And if you find yourself in a place where you haven't invited Jesus on board or you haven't, in, and you're not in a place where you feel like you're walking with God, just invite him into your life. Invite him so you can have that confidence of walking with him. And if that's you and you're in the sound of my voice, whether you're watching online or you're here and, and you want to invite him to, to walk with you and talk with you and, and be your Lord, just pray this prayer as the church prays it out loud. And just say, Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God and that you died on that cross for me, that you've paid for all my sins. Today, I give you my life. I invite you into my life. Would you walk with me? Help me to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, this is a relational deal, this. It's not a bunch of religious stuff. It's a relational deal. He loves you absolutely adores you, goes absolutely gaga when he sees you in the morning. He just ruffles your hair, just thinks that you're the best, and he just kisses you all over today. And he celebrates that you are here at this time and that you're hearing his word. And Father, I thank you that as we go our way, as we picnic in the building, and that they don't stone me because I did prophesy a nice sunny day, that we would have fun and fellowship and celebrate your goodness, and we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Oh, amen. If you need prayer.